Will you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. For our text this morning, Philippians chapter 1. Ben, do you need any help loading those boxes after the services? No? Okay, he said he's got it. Okay. If you need any more, just, just call out. Finish Line Celebrating is our, is our sermon title this morning. We're wrapping up our series uh, called the Champions Race Series. So I'm having some technical difficulties, so that means God's going to do something great through this sermon, all right? Okay, Philippians 1. The points that I make today can in some ways be applied to the small seasons, the small races of your life. But in general, they're pointing to the end of our race here on the earth. Um, <clears throat> the overarching principles of discipleship, the finish line celebrating is pointing to the end of our earthly experience as disciples of Jesus. For review from, from the series, if you're just joining us here or online, we talked about champion runners begin at the cross of Jesus Christ. They run with a committed heart and directed mind that follows Jesus. You've got to be all in with your heart and your mind right? Commitment. That's what happens when we, we place our trust and faith in Jesus Christ because of his love for us. Champions, runners, they persevere with Jesus. You're going to go through ups and downs. Some of you are in them right now, some really struggles because of your faith and hard things that life brings to you. You're going to have these. Persevere with Jesus on the course marked out for us. Champion runners are also dressed in Christ's righteousness, right? You've placed your number somewhere in your home where you dress every morning, and you say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm dressed in your righteousness. And for me to live in that righteousness today and let love flow through your life. And today's main thesis, the point is that champions, runners, fi finish the race of faith at death. And they go to be with Jesus. We're going to look at Philippians 1. And you're going to see in this that Paul considered death. He considered it. And he wasn't fearful of it. He thought, actually, it looks pretty attractive. Okay? And I'd rather be there. But two questions regarding the discipleship is, when are we finished? We're going to talk about that and how we should finish, and then an appropriate reaction for those who finish and those who remain in the race. Philippians 1, 18b. We pick up in the middle of this verse where Paul is rejoicing that Christ is being preached. The motives sometimes weren't always right in the early church. Sometimes today, maybe they're not always right, but he rejoiced that Jesus Christ is preached. He says, yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. 
I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Finish when? This week will be, um, there'll be some temperature checking pretty regularly this week, probably Wednesday, Thursday morning. Uh, maybe a little anxiety on knowing if the turkey or the pie is done. How long has it cooked? When will you know that it's finished? It's done. I usually don't feel that stress. <laughs> I just trust that others will do a good job, right? How many are grateful for that this morning? Yeah. Woo. Thank you, cooks. All right. So, Knowing when to finish is essential for different events in your life. Cooking is one. Eating at a buffet, you should know when you should be finished, right? Sometimes we struggle with that. Doing practical jokes with your girlfriend, you should know when to stop. Mm -hmm. Or wife, or husband. College exams, know when the finish exam is and know how much time you have on that. Learning a new skill. I tried to teach someone PowerPoint one time in a day and they says they were overwhelmed in the first five minutes knowing when to finish, maybe even doing some physical labor, right? I can split wood all day, and after, oh boy, an hour I should stop. Knowing when to finish is, is wise, and to be aware of that. And actually, it's good to know when to finish when you're actually running a race. Fernandez Anaya was trailing behind Olympic bronze medalist Abel Mutai during a cross-country race in Berlada, Spain. Mutai was leading comfortably, but he was mistaken where the finish line was, and he stopped 10 to 20 meters before the line. The trailing runner caught up to him, but in an act of good sportsmanship, he encouraged the runner, didn't speak the same language, to keep going so he would finish. And he explained later, says, if he hadn't stopped early, there's no way I would have caught him and beat him. Know where the finish line is and keep going until you get there. For the disciple of Jesus Christ, death, is our earthly finish line. Genesis 3, 17 and 19 gives us the why for the universal death of all of us. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. This curse affects us all. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men. Physical death is the finish line in the champion's race. One of our baptism vows is this. Do you promise to be faithful to Jesus unto death? And I talk about those candidates like, man, that's a lot of commitment. That's a long commitment. Right? We take, out, we take out loans perhaps for cars or 30 years for a house mortgage, but a lifelong commitment. That's the same thing we're asking when people get married. This is for life. Paul knew that death was the finish line, and he mused to the Philippian church, what shall I choose? Right? What shall I choose? And he was able to find the positives in both. He was confessing his humanity and revealing to the believers that following Jesus is sometimes difficult. Paul reveals a yearning for that day when death ushers him into Christ's presence. Remember that Paul was stoned for his faith. Remember that Paul was imprisoned for his faith, beaten many times. He was hungry and naked sometimes because he continued to run the champion's race. Paul confesses, 
I desire to be with Christ through death. But the choice, he says, it's not mine. It's not mine. He states, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Physical death is the finish line for believers. There is one exception. Christ's second coming may interrupt that, right? <laughs> right? See, it might interrupt that. But if it doesn't, and up to this point in history, it has not for everyone who's believed in Christ. Their finish line of running the race has been their death. Another thing to remember is that it's best to let God decide when it is ours or another's time to experience physical death and cross the line. God ordains our days, even through atrocious behaviors by humans towards each other. Jesus' own death on the cross, as horrific as that event was, was ordained by God under his sovereign control. Because of our belief that God creates all life from conception, that each life is valuable, able to grow, change, transform in Christ, and influence to the last breath, we should live in such a way that reflects this sacredness of life and yield the finish line crossing moment to God. So what we can do is prepare for our finish line experience. Some of you maybe have done this already. Some of us haven't done a whole lot with this because we think we have lots of days left, right? Finish line experience. We can make plans that will help our family deal with our passing. We can plan for inheritance dispersion, if you have an inheritance. You can plan for funeral services. You can plan your own funeral. You can plan for burial expectations and other wishes. Know, know that death will come. And if you're wise and make plans for the family, the stress that's often placed upon surviving family, it can be way reduced. In my experience, those who plan well for their finish line crossing allow those who remain a much better experience. Brothers and sisters, you may retire from work. You may have your life situation change due to different reasons. Maybe sometimes due to your health. And maybe your service areas for the heavenly kingdom change. But your race is not over until your last breath. So finish when? We'll finish at death. Finish how? I'm going to show you a race clip. Uh, okay, this is my last clip from Hershey, PA. Remember, I had to run hard to get this one. I'm standing at the finish line uh, of the race, and what you're going to see is me pan uh, to the right, and you're going to see a runner eventually come in, but people line the course. This is the, this is the single A boys championship race at Hershey, PA two weeks ago. I want you to look for the runner. Uh, just before he crosses the line, he makes a gesture with his right hand. I want you to watch for that in this video clip. Go ahead, Sandy. <laughs> Right there. 16.13 was his time. That's a 5.13 pace over the 3.1. Lots of hills on that course. 5.13 is crazy going flat. But yeah, ask Matthew how hard that is and fast. 
Right, that's, he, was in that, he was not in that race, but two after that. Anyway, Paul writes this. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Our goal in pursuing Christ as disciples is that we live a life of servanthood to him and represent Jesus well. If we do this, we can exclaim as Paul, now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Do you desire to live in such a way that reflects that you're wearing the champion's uniform? Do you want to be identified as running with Jesus Christ? Finishing well does not mean that you live the life of perfection. We would all be disqualified. But it means that you have learned to submit to the authority of Jesus and allow him to direct your life. Listen to this in Psalm 116, 15. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. In my years of coaching, I've observed plenty of high school track and field races, sometimes more than maybe I wanted to. And in some of the longer races, we see this happening. In the last 50 to 100 meters, runners who have run very much in control through the two and a, uh, three, four, seven or eight laps on the track, suddenly in the last 50 to 100 meters have this huge change and they fanatically charge to the line. And people say, wow, what a great finish. The casual observer says, oh, look at that, right? And it was a good effort in the last 50 to 100 meters, but sometimes those of us that are around say, what about the other six and a half laps? where you were just kind of comfortably going and chatting with the person behind you or beside you. Right? Finishing a well does not mean that we anticipate our death and precede our passing by getting all at once super spiritual, hoping to convince someone that we are with Jesus. For those who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and received Jesus to be their salvation, finishing well means that we persevere in the faith. We actively seek transformation into the likeness of Christ by asking the Holy Spirit to control and shape our thinking and our actions. So what I'm saying is that finishing well at that moment of our death really is impacted by what we're doing now and how we're living through the stages and journey of our life. I have, as sure as you have, observed the beautiful lives of saints running the life of faith Loving Jesus and his creation throughout their lives, they come to the moment of their finish line with excitement to go on to the glory of Jesus. And we say, oh, they finished that well. They were looking forward to it, and they finished well. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you today, to be encouraging us today to get in the race of faith, to throw off everything that entangles, and go, run, live for Christ. Living and finishing well prepares us to exclaim, as Paul did, I always think of the Rocky statue when I think of this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So Paul said to Timothy, I have kept the faith. When we watched that video clip from the state championship race, we saw the young man running towards the finish line. He was not going as fast at the end as he was in the beginning. Guaranteed. But he was running. He was running in the right direction. He was running with purpose. And despite fatigue from the race, 
He made a physical gesture that indicated he knew that he had made it, right? He raised his hand ever subtly and says, yes. Right? And maybe he was even pointing to God, giving thanks to him for the ability. I don't know. Can't say that. I don't know the kid. Our best spiritual example of persevering in faith is Jesus. I want to take a snapshot this morning of his life, right? Just to look at what he did. Hebrews tells us that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus experienced suffering due to his resisting of temptation. Jesus knew hunger and pain. He knew the celebration of weddings and births. Jesus new relationships, spending time with all kinds of people, and he shared life's experiences, including long walks with his closest disciples. Jesus knew betrayal as one of his 12 gave him up for 30 coins, and the others deserted him when he was captured. Jesus saw the end coming, and he taught with increased passion and clarity. He served his disciples by washing their feet. He endured the hardest hill, remaining faithful through the scourging of the Roman whip and the mocking, the crown of thorns, and the rugged cross of shame. Jesus persevered in his faith and obedience, ministering to his mom, directing John, to one of his closest, to care for her. He engaged those who were hung alongside him on the cross and gave the promise of eternal life to the one who recognized Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus finished the race running with purpose and direction, and he let those in attendance know that he was crossing the finish line by saying, it is finished. His example us, encourages us to live now. Paul exclaimed, for, for me to live, for me to live out this day is Christ." I'm so committed for me to live as Christ. I've made up my mind. I am following Jesus. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And I ponder, is it that settled in our hearts and our minds? <laughs> is it that settled? For me to live as Christ. Well, here's the, here's the reality of life. Each of us does not know how long we will live or how long our family or friends will live. Tomorrow is not promised. Can it be so settled, so done as to say as Paul did, to live as Christ? I have to ask, would you be ashamed if you crossed the line today knowing some of your regular habits are sinful? God said to Ezekiel, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness? And the elders say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Now the Lord sees, he knows. It's good for you to think about finishing the race and living now in such a way that rejects sin and pursues Jesus. The great deception of sin is that it's, it's pleasure and it's sweetness. It quickly fades and turns into pain and sourness. Hasn't your experience taught you this with sin? Our flesh yearns to do something that is sinful. The desire births action and the immediate gratification of the fleshly desire only results in emptiness, shameful regret, and painful consequences. So the encouragement is this morning, it's good for us, brothers and sisters, it's good for you 
and to live in God's creation, in his plan, in his structure, to live, to live following Jesus. It's good for you to do that. It's good for our congregation if you do that, and it's good for the church and the kingdom to live as Christ. It's good to do that. Wouldn't you rather cross the finish line knowing that you served Christ with your life? You loved with his power. You participated with his holy presence in your life, offering your body as a living act of worship to him who gave his life for you. So represent him now so that in no way you'll be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in your body. And then I ask myself, well, how do I do that? Well, how do we, okay, I want to do that. How do I do that? Well, it's a daily thing. You become disciplined disciples. There's no, uh, there's no off-season for followers of Jesus, right? There's no off-season. It's not just a Sunday event, okay? We run every day, right? We compete every day, right? Daily training is needed. Daily pursuit of Jesus. Daily obedience. And where sin is noticed, then we repent and we go the other way. Where obedience is demanded, we take small steps that lead to great faith. The race clip that we watched was the culmination of years Years of running and daily training for this young man. When do we finish? At death. How do we finish? Pursuing, partnering, and persevering in Christ. Now let's talk about finish celebrations. Those lining the course in the championship race in Hershey recognize the accomplishment of the runner, and they politely clap for him, right? Oh, if that was my son, all right, or a nephew, or, or someone on my team, I would have been going nuts, Right? I would have been going crazy. I would have been probably running alongside them. Go, go. Probably running into someone with my camera. <laughs> this last point of the sermon is huge for those who are in Christ and crossing the line from physical life to death. It's also huge for those who continue in the race. We can finish celebrating because Jesus has conquered sin and has risen from the dead, leading those who are in him to eternal life beyond the finish line of physical death. Hallelujah. For the Christian, says Randy Alcorn in his book called Heaven, for the Christian, death is not the end of adventure, but it's a doorway. I was going to go out that door and come back in this door, but our time is pressing, so I won't. <laughs> it's a doorway from a world where dreams and adventures shrink to a world where dreams and adventures forever expand. So I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine heaven now based upon what I read you from scripture. I'm going to take a moment and review a little bit about this. Jesus said some things about heaven. He says in John 3:16 that those who believe in him will have everlasting life. You don't know what that's like. We don't know what everlasting is. We live in temporal. This ends, this ends, this breaks down and fades. Everlasting life takes on a new, a new uh, imagination and reality when you hit death, I'm like, oh, they've moved into glory, right? This begins at death. We can celebrate and say, oh, wow. John 14, 1 and 3, Jesus says, listen, disciples, don't worry. I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you so that, so that you be where I am. It's not just a place for you in some place, some village, but it's a place for you where you are with Christ, right? Don't you wonder what that's going to be like for you? Well, that's right. Luke says this in Acts 7, 48 and 49. It says, he quotes in quoting Isaiah, Heaven is my throne, says the Lord. 
All right? So we're going to see God rolling there in heaven. Paul says lots of things about heaven. One of the things I'll bring to you this morning says, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5, he says, you know, our bodies are like a tent. I thought of that as the wind was just pushing through this morning really how, boy, if I was in a tent, that would just probably burn the tent right, roll, roll over, right? And so it is sometimes with our bodies, they feel like broken down. They feel like they just weren't, they wear out. They get holes in them, right? Our bodies sometimes feel like way, especially when you get over 40, right? And those of you over 50 and 60 and 70 saying, like, just wait. Right? <laughs> Our bodies are like a tent that will wear out. Don't be, a, don't be like, like, puzzled by that. <laughs> but he says, as he says that, he says, we have a building made from God, an eternal house in heaven. This is just temporary. Right. All right? This is just a temporary one. So, and he says this in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. There's a lot in that statement, but what I'll summarize in saying is this, is that upon the moment of death, all right, your spirit will go to be with the Lord while your body, your temporary tent, remains in the ground until the day of their physical body resurrection. Okay? But boom, go to be the Lord. Away from the body to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. He says also in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Amazing what this will be like. John tries to give us a glimpse of this. In Revelation 21, 1 to 5, he talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Well, right now we're on the, the first earth. God's going to recreate the earth, right? right? So what we have now is the temporary heaven because heaven's going to descend and come down here in the new heavens. But what we do now, we say we go to heaven, it's a temporary heaven. But he describes it, he says, there's, there's, there's going to be no more death there. There's no mourning or crying or pain. And he says, I'm making everything new. So imagine life without your sin nature, without the pull to temptation, right? Without having to fight that and just experiencing the glory of God's creation and relationships. Without coveting, without lusting, without murder, I'm making everything new. Revelation 21, 9 to 27, the description of the great holy city. I'm really a country boy, but I don't mind going to cities and exploring. And I read about this city, and it's massive. It's massive. And the construction types that are in this city are jewels and, and things that I can't even imagine. But different colors and things, things built uh, beyond our comprehension. It's going to be great exploration activity. It says, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The glory of the Lord gives the city light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter the city. But we're told that those from every nation, every tribe whom the Lamb has purchased will join with one song of worship to the Lamb. Revelation 22 continues this description. It says, down the middle of the city is a river of water of life. The water of life, Right? I'm thinking this is the water that Jesus says I'm putting this to bubble up to everlasting life. This is the river, the water of life. It's flowing down there. In fact, it's in the middle of a grand street of the city. It says flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. My, imagine, my imagination goes first to having God's throne on one end of it and just flowing from that. But I think more it's like right in the middle of the whole city. Boom, there's the throne of God and where he's at. And then the water comes out both directions down the street. And there's trees there's trees growing on either side that produce fruit. It's yield every month, every year. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. It says, no longer will there be any curse. No curse. 
and we'll see the Lamb's face, and His name will be on our foreheads. <laughs> hmm. Imagine that. As we wrap this up, a few closing thoughts. Dwight Moody once told his congregation, Someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I'll be more alive than I am now. <laughs> As our loved ones cross from this life to the next, celebration's not the only reaction. There'll be a time where we, where we weep because we'll grieve in sorrow, but it will also have joy combined with that. Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, but we will grieve as those who have hope. We'll grieve with faith guiding us. We may even have to huddle up and say, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And then as we wipe the tears away, and we'll cry out loud in a voice of confidence with, a, with eyes that have looked into the tomb, the empty tomb of Jesus, and we'll say, and we'll give thanks to God, for he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, let's run the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus. The champion's race is now. We run with our hearts and our minds committed to the Lord. We run through ups and downs with great perseverance. And we wear the righteous uniforms of Jesus Christ. And we can hit that finish line. We can hit the finish line and celebrate knowing that Jesus, not that we caught up to Jesus, but that he is there waiting for us to take us into glory. Amen? Let's stand for our benediction. Please stand. Oh God, we thank you for your promises of Scripture. We thank you for the life that you've given us this morning and today. Uh, and Lord, um, you have numbered our days. So the reality is, Lord, some of us here this morning are closer to that finish line than others. We don't know who that is. So, Lord, we pray that as we uh, finish this series and as we go out, um, we pray a prayer of gratitude and thanks for you've, you've, uh, you've made a way beyond death. So we don't have to be fearful of that. But, Lord, uh, I pray that we were, are given a desire to run well. Forgive us for the moments that we haven't when we get consumed with uh, things of this world. But, Lord, consume us with you. One of the things that I want, wanted to say, Lord, and I believe you told me is that uh, running, running well and running towards the finish line is not about just trying harder, but it's, it's loving deeper as we look into Jesus Christ. Help us to love deeper, to love you more and more, and to let that flow, Lord, through our horizontal relationships for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for... Um, this body. We pray your protection on it. We pray, Lord, that you would make it strong, Lord, and that you'd receive honor and glory as we run the race for you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for being patient with me this morning. Um, we have a fellowship time, a brief fellowship time downstairs. You can get a, a coffee, snack, and then we invite you to small groups. So go in peace, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. God bless.